let's link up with Krista on The Fix. She's a wellness coach with a focus on mental well-being and physical strength. It's Coach Krista, and I'm back on another episode of The Fix. Today, we are linking up with one of my good friends, and very first, right before we hit record, I mentioned this to you, the first Washington Lee alum, fellow Washington Lee alum that I've had on the podcast, and that is Miss Charlotte Kiesler. She and I went to school together in Lexington, Virginia, and kind of lost touch a little bit over the course of the last few years and reconnected because we are both in the world of being an entrepreneur, and Charlotte is up to some really, really exciting projects with her brand new company that she launched only several months ago. So we're really early in these stages and I'm super excited for her to have the opportunity to take the mic today and talk a little bit about what she's doing and really the movement that she's trying to create through her company, which is called Per The Work Edit. And she's gonna get into all the details on exactly what her mission is and the types of services that she's providing, but it really is a platform for women to feel better connected professionally, to be able to ask each other questions that you just might not be able to talk to someone about in your office, whether that's because they're a guy and they simply can't relate, or just because you don't really feel comfortable because it's the types of things that we weren't taught to navigate in school. So with all that said, I'm gonna turn it over to Charlotte. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Welcome. And first, tell me who the heck is Charlotte Kiesler beyond per the work edit? Who are you as a person and why the heck should we care about what you have to say? Hey, Krista. So happy to be here. Um, so why you should care about me, who I am. I guess I should start by uh, where I grew up because that's kind of where everyone, I think, begins being themselves. So um, I grew up outside of Boston in Concord, Massachusetts pretty like outdoorsy, I would say childhood. <laughs> um, so moving to the big city after I graduated from college is pretty crazy. Um, as Krista said, we went to WNL together. I majored in econ after graduating, decided to uh, take the plunge into investment banking. So went and worked for Deutsche Bank for three years up in New York. Um, after which I decided to move kind of onto the buy side of things and really was interested in the startups popping up at the time. Um, you know, Allbirds, Everlane, Warby, Drunk Elephant, Glossier, those guys were just blowing up and I wanted to be a part of that world. Um, so got a job in venture capital, moved out to Los Angeles, worked for Fifth Wall Ventures for a few years on their retail innovation strategy. Um, where I just fell even more deeply in love with startups. <laughs> um, and since then, I've actually quit my job and started my company, Per The Work At It, which is a platform supporting the next generation of women in the workforce through content and connection. 
Love it. Such a cool story and so much to unpack there. And we will get into all of those details. But before we do, we're going to talk morning routines. Um, big with people who, as entrepreneurs, manage their own time. And I think nowadays with everyone working from home, a lot of us have had to put a lot of emphasis on this. And an important step in that for me is coffee. So what is your go-to coffee? What do you like to sip on? Some people, if they're like super passionate about this question, they'll tell me like, this is what I make at home. And then this is what I order from a coffee shop. So if you want to spill all those details, you're more than welcome to. Sure. So at home, I'm pretty into coffee. Love it. <laughs> at, home, at home, I just drink my coffee black, um, okay. but I love hazelnut coffee. So just like a hot that kind of bean black hazelnut coffee is mm-hmm. the best thing. And it just smells so good too. So awesome way to start your day. Um, back in the era of going to coffee shops, I loved like a massive iced coffee with just like a little bit of milk. That was awesome, especially in the summertime. Um, and if I want a treat, I would do a honey lavender latte. Oh, that sounds good. Do you have a favorite coffee shop in LA? That was like your go-to spot when you were probably in like the work routine of going to an office. (laughs) Yeah, I used to go to Tom's, the shoe company. They have a coffee store. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so cool. Every day. (laughs) I'm assuming it's good coffee if you went every day. Yeah, yeah. It was also close to where I worked at the time. There you go. So is it like a, is the store like half retail, half coffee? Like, nice. Yeah, it's super, it's super, um, odd. I feel like it's something you'd really only find in LA. Yeah. I was going to say that sounds very LA of, of you to say, well, that's <laughs> you, you know, you learn something new every day. I'm not surprised. Um, well, cool. I'm a big iced coffee girl myself. I will like literally, I don't know if you are like this with your iced coffee and it obviously doesn't apply as much with the weather that you have out there, but I will drink iced coffee like on a day like today when there's like snow on the ground like I don't care how cold it is outside there's just I love ice I have like a weird thing where I have to put tons of ice in all of my drinks so that's just me I don't know but anyways let's get into it let's first kind of talk about you know I in hearing more of your story of the transition from taking a very typical, shall we say, route of a post WNL grad um, and going into investment banking, but then making the jump to venture capital. I first kind of want to talk about like the startup scene and the whole process of going the VC route, because that's actually a pretty hard jump to make. Like you made it pretty quickly. Um, People will usually work for several years in a very traditional investment banking role. And then like, that's kind of like the goal. Like if they can get into like some sort of private equity or VC type position, like that's where they want to wind up. Um, So tell me for you, based on the experience, whether you had at your first job or just what you enjoyed and were reading about, what kind of prompted you to be like, okay, you know, I've enjoyed my experience at Deutsche. I'm learning a lot here and I really like it, but I see this being the next step for me. And I really want to pursue this like as quickly as I can. Because three years in, in the span of your career is a pretty short amount of time. Yeah. So I think what got me super interested in VC specifically versus like private equity or, you know, a variety of other, uh, as you call it, exit ops. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's a great way of putting it. From banking. Um, The reason why I was so interested in VC was because I really wanted to be working with innovators in the consumer space. And so like, if you think about banking, like your, your clients are largely like 
massive companies, Huge, a lot of yeah. times publicly traded companies. Mm-hmm. So they might be doing like big, exciting transactions, you know, like um, acquiring a company, merging, like raising debt, what, whatever it may be. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a very large organization and it's a, it's a little less set up to just be like super innovative. There's obviously exceptions to the rule, um, but that's just kind of a generalization. You know, we would, um, once in a while, we would do like custom decks and yeah. that was super exciting. I know, I, that was like the most creative I could get too. Yeah, I mean, I think the other creative thing I really enjoyed weirdly enough was when we got to build like massive financial models Mm -hmm. I was like this is really cool this is kind of like creation within excel for sure (laughs) yeah and like see how it all like setting up the macro so that like one thing funnels from the next to the next no and and when it gets really complex that is super interesting to see and like lay something out like that on paper because as you said you know you're dealing with these massive companies who are trying to put together you know deals with either they're dealing with like massive debt or acquisitions or whatever it is there's a lot there's a lot of numbers on the line yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can't mess up. <laughs> no, you can't. You definitely can't. So tell me about how, you know, what it like, let's even dig a little deeper into the process of making a job change, because that's definitely a career focused conversation that I'm sure is something that will come up in the work that you do with, with the women who are part of the per group. Um, what, what did that look like for you? I, I think we can both agree that we're pretty lucky in that we went to a school that has a really strong alumni network um and talk to me about that or just talk to me about like what you were looking for in trying to find that next role was it an easy process did it take a while if somebody's listening to this and maybe they're about to graduate college and granted the stakes are a little bit more challenging <laughs> these days and just the work environment that we're in so i'm thankful that that's not the two of us and i feel for those people for sure but what what did that look like for you uh, so going from Deutsche to Fifth Wall? Yeah, just the process of finding that position, who you networked with, if it w- or was it like one of those unusual cases where you applied and it you kind of just, it happened? Yeah, so this, <laughs> this is funny because I feel like, you know, in retrospect, three years seems pretty fast to like find a, new, a pretty good job in yeah. VC. But um, I felt like I was trying for a while. Doesn't it always job. feel like that in the moment? Yeah. It so does. Like I would look for, like I only stayed at B of A for a year, but like half the time I was looking for a new job and it felt like forever because of all the rejections I got in the process. I think that's what adds to it. Yeah, yeah. I think that definitely was it too. too. And I think also... Um, you know, I don't know the reason why this happened, but I, I, for some reason got to like final interviews a lot. Mm -hmm. So I think I went to like more than five final round interviews, which is like, I've talked to people and people were like, wait, you went to that many final round interviews. And then it was like, you know, your sixth or seventh one where you finally got the job. And I was right. like, yeah. Cause you would I, think like, you would have gotten that far. Like you were one of the top two candidates. Right. Top two so candidates. then you start sitting there being like, well, then what happened? Yeah. <laughs> have like, you had, now that you've like reflected on that. I have been able to get some of that feedback and I've also reflected on it. I think, you know, at first when that would happen, honestly, a lot of those weren't necessarily great fits. Like it was kind of like, I was actually a good candidate, but when I got to the final two, they're like, well, the other one's a better fit. 
for like whatever reason, because it was like maybe a little bit of a reach in terms of industry for me or okay. like a geography that I wasn't totally excited about or like something like that. Mm-hmm. There was one time where um, they actually, <laughs> I wonder if they the company was happy the recruiter told me this or not, but they were like, oh, it was between you and this guy who already lives in San Francisco. And since he already lives here, like that just seemed easier. And I was like, what? And they think I about that like- too, also for like relocation packages. That's the other right. thing that companies consider. And that, no, that's so true. But like you hear that. And when you heard that, were you annoyed? Like, were you like, oh, well, I guess I should just live in San Francisco, especially for the type of roles you were going after. I'm sure you had it in your head at that point that you were definitely going to move to a place like California. Absolutely. Like I was, I was in New York actually focused on moving to California. Sure. Pretty exclusively. So um, to hear that, it was kind of like, should I just move there and start interviewing? Right. Exactly. Just so that my resume can have that address on it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's so true. And it's like. Again, to my point, and you know, a great transition into per for as great as an education as so many people have access to today, it's those types of skills and situations that no amount of coursework could actually prepare you for. So take that realization and then your experience in the workplace. And if you'd like, you know, weave it if you want to weave in any of what you kind of took away from your VC role that really helped you form this company. So kind of walk me through some of those examples and those like aha moments for you to be like, shit, I need to come up with a platform to help people deal with this because it wasn't around for me to navigate it. Right. I mean, I think, um, first and foremost, that realization almost came through like a really tough like trial and error over like multiple years where I ended up like reflecting on what happened and being like, I wish I had known this. So almost at first it was less of a, like, I need some to someone to ask about this and more like, I wish I had, you know, this system or this resource that I could consume information on. So I would know what I didn't even know. I didn't know. Like, I know that sounds so awkward to say, but, um, that I think, especially when you're starting your career can be so important because we shouldn't continue as women to make the same mistakes over and over again, because there's no like girls club, like there is a boys club in a lot of places. And how is that magnified for you specifically in the industry that you're in? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was tough. I'm also a very outgoing person So one of the other mistakes I made was kind of like putting myself out there too much and having like too much blind trust in my coworkers. Tell me more about that. I don't know, like obviously being sensitive of, you know, not trying to throw shade at anybody, but uh, if you could give me a high level example or maybe an example that a woman may face, generally speaking, like what did that actually look like? Because I think that's a really great point, but kind of want to help people visualize that. Yeah. So like a tangible example of that would be, you know, you're in your class of people at banking or VC Mm -hmm. or whatever. They're all the same age. So like no one's anyone's boss. You're gearing up for like year end reviews and you're kind of like, Hey guys, like what's the system here? Like, what should I make sure to do to prepare? Like whether or not you're, you know, joining after them or you're all trying to figure it out together. You're kind of like bouncing ideas off these people and they're like, oh, I don't know. I'm just going to wing it. And afterwards you find out that they actually did a ton of stuff to prepare. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I shouldn't have trusted what you said. Like, clearly that's not good <laughs> advice. Like no one's going to go in there and wing it and like 
you know, just see what happens. Like in reality, a lot of them were, you know, asking for people to advocate for them in the room so that they have someone, you know, basically like alliances is a big thing. So they have someone that's like in the room, pounding the table for them. And that's not just by luck. Like at first I thought it was like, oh, they're so, you know, that's so They lucky. worked really hard. So that happened. Yeah. Right. That's not by luck. Like, of course they worked really hard for that person, but you know, to get that to happen, maybe that happens organically, but a lot of times you kind of have to ask that person to do that for you. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you had to do that. Right. Um, even just like compiling data throughout the year and then like coming in with like all of that there. Um, super to literally important. have like a portfolio and be like, look at all the deals I worked on or you yeah. know, whatever it is. Like maybe you work for a marketing firm and it's like, look at all these campaigns that I helped put together and then take it a step further to being like, this is how I, the direct work that I did uh, contributed to that bottom line. Right. And I think too, like the biggest thing is like, once you get to that conversation where they're telling you how much they're going to like how much they're paying for your like your bonus or your salary raise or whatever like it is too late like they have decided they have gone to like whoever is in charge of that and gotten these numbers approved so if you enter that conversation like you're not it like with the idea of like i'm gonna fight for myself like maybe they can go back and retroactively change some stuff but really that's like really hard to do so you need to be mm -hmm. doing like proactively having conversations before you even get to that point or else you're working backwards. Like you're working uphill after that. Totally. And I think the additional important piece of info to point out here for context is we've been talking back and forth and we both understand this about how you can come in to a finance position for a bank or any kind of type of firm with like a cohort of people and in certain companies there's no guarantee that all of those people will get to continue on after a year or two like you're there's a competition of you know wanting to go after the same position so in hindsight it almost comes as no surprise that those people were the, not that they were trying to set you up to fail but you were going after the same thing and they wanted to protect themselves right so do you think that you know, do you think that there should have been some kind of resource earlier on in your career to get the answers to those types of questions? Or do you think that it's just people have gotten so used to this idea that like, well, I had to go through it and kind of learn the hard way. So you have to go through it and learn it the hard way. I hate that. I hate when people have that Me too. attitude. I mean, it's but just it, like, do it you exists. Not, yeah. I mean, it's just like, do you not want anything to change? Like that, cause that's that, what that attitude is. Like, mm -hmm. if that's what your attitude is, like, you just don't care about there being change, um, in a positive way. And it's actually pretty crazy. I was talking to, um, one of my boyfriend's aunts and she was like a really high level exec at I mm -hmm. believe Delta back in the day. And when I was talking to her about this business, she was like, oh my God, I wish that existed. However, I cannot believe that these problems still like exist today. And it's like, and it was why. probably even that's worse for her, right? Like, right. oh, of course. But yeah. like, that's why it's, this stuff still happens is because it's almost like hazing culture, you know? Yep. It's like, I don't yep. see how that's positive. You know, with all that my, in mind of like this idea that nothing changes if nothing changes, right? And unfortunately in the context we're talking about it, it's in a negative capacity. I think that that is really the perfect opportunity and like probably the white space that you saw to create the type of company and vision that you have for Per The Work Edit. And I see it so much in the fitness industry, right? And I've seen it 
I saw it first in finance. So I, I think it's something that just never goes away and it doesn't matter what type of work you do, whether you're like, you know, trying to build this huge brand online and you're creative or you're staring at an Excel spreadsheet all day long. People have two buckets that they fall into. The first is that really positive relationship of like, let me mentor you. And I don't want you to have to face the things that I did. So I want the whole like pay it forward mindset. Then there's the opposite group, which is unfortunate, but it exists and I feel like permeates and is kind of like the standard in a lot of environments is like the scarcity mindset of like, I have to protect all my shit because like if you figure it out too, you're going to be too successful and there's not enough people out there for all of us to be that successful. To that end, I really see Per kind of like filling that space and, and kind of filling that gap. Um, and I would love for you to use this opportunity to talk about a new piece within the platform called the forum, which from what I understand and the conversations we've had about it is a space for women to be able to just like have these open conversations, like truly like an open forum. I'm assuming that's where the name comes from, but would love for you to kind of dig into that and tell us about it. Tell us about when it's going to become available to the general public and what we can expect by being a part of that group. Yeah, totally. So right now, um, Per has all of its content available for free that anyone can look through. Um, and what we're launching is this piece of the business that uh, Krista was talking about called the forum. And essentially what this is, is a well-organized space consisting of rooms that to facilitate different types of topics. Um, connecting women across age groups, firms, and industries so that you can really learn from each other and also feel extremely comfortable. Um, one of the other things I think, you know, we were talking about was the competition aspect. It might not make your coworkers, especially if you're kind of like in competition with each other for, you know, future positions, or, you know, there's only so much of the bonus pool, like who gets the bigger piece of the pie? Like, XYZ other things, it makes it really hard to really trust what they're telling you. Um, I am the first person to say that like I really enjoyed forming really close relationship with my coworkers, but there definitely were times when I questioned uh, if that was the best way for me to optimize my personal success. Um, so the forum is kind of a way to mitigate that issue and have like one centralized place um, where everyone can come together to either like feel like you're a part of something, especially if you're in a male, male dominated industry. And, um, like Chris was saying, a lot of my friends were in finance, um, a place to go to find people like you and feel part of something. Um, and then a place to go, you know, where, you know, there'll be people that appreciate something that maybe your coworkers might not appreciate. Um, and then also just somewhere to share learnings and seek advice and ask questions and in a really, open and authentic way. I love that. And I'm so excited for it. And I know when you showed me the platform that you're, you use to build the forum, I was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I actually borrowed it myself and I'm now using the same technology for my own uh, client group online. And I'm like super excited about it. I keep geeking out over it and putting it on my Instagram stories. So thank you for telling me yeah. about Geneva because it's amazing. And I'll, I'll give them a little plug. If anybody out there is looking to create some sort of online community, because I think if we boil it down, that's really kind of like the most 
basic description of what we're talking about with per and like a place to literally, I love that it's called like a home in a room because it's literally a place to like house this information, right? Um, it's super well organized and it's really fun. And it seems like they are working on some really interesting capabilities with like video chatting and audio. It's like a little bit of all the great pieces from all the other social media that we have, right? It's pretty much like a mashup. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, it looks like Slack, but it's sexier and cleaner. There's cool things that are similar to Instagram. It's even got like a clubhouse vibe. Like it's, it's really awesome. So I appreciate you. And I think even the fact that we had that conversation and then you shared a piece of information with me that I was able to take and go do something with is a hundred percent a testament to why it's so important for people to have these types of conversations and really per creating a space to facilitate them. Um, so tell us a little bit more about, you know, I kind of jumped right into the forum rather than talking about PER as a whole, so we can backtrack a tiny bit. Tell me more about a lot of the articles and topics that get covered. And if I were to jump on your website right now, which we will link down in the show notes so that everyone can access it, what would I come across? Like what types of um, information is available through the site? Yeah, totally. So in terms of the articles, I think I'm the most excited about that piece of the content um, because it's kind of like our own content. The rest of the content's awesome, um, but it's basically like curated with mm-hmm. this target audience in mind, the target audience being, you know, women in the workplace primarily towards the beginning of their careers. Um, and so the article section, essentially what we do is with our target customer in mind, once again, thinking about like, you know, it's almost like therapy for me, like thinking about like, what did I wish I knew? Or mm-hmm. what is something that I still want to know more about, but like with an actual like research backed answers, like talking to versus experts, just like, like, you're like, you know, you're like anecdotal experience. Right. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of that out there. Well, I, I'll like Google something and I'll read an article and I'll kind of be like, okay, so this is one person's opinion sure. versus like the approach that we really try to take is like reading all like reading the information from people that really know about it, whether or not there's like professors or they, Mm -hmm. you know, specialize in that certain field. Um, And then like big studies, like we pulled from HBR, um, a lot of other fantastic resources and like boiling that down into like a couple minute read about one specific topic that would be super pertinent. So I think like the latest article we put on was how to give advice and also like how to give upward advice or sorry, not how to give advice, <laughs> how to give feedback and mm-hmm. how to give like upward feedback to your manager. An additional example can, we can go like even more meta with it. Like mm-hmm. we've done, um, articles on like the power of the word fair and how it can be used against you in negotiation or even how you can use it in negotiations, um, promotion versus prevention questions, which was actually one of my favorite articles. And that essentially talks about, um, this really interesting study that was done, um, that showed that women are more likely to be asked prevention questions and men are more likely to be asked promotion questions. Hmm. And you can increase like your successful outcomes by answering prevention questions with promotion answers. Wow. Like- so how, how did you, you know, I, I appreciate that you brought up those a little bit more, like not even philosophical, but let's say more abstract that like you don't notice them when they're happening. So I think it can be harder to know how to respond until you reflected on the situation. 
how, how did you come up with those ideas of, to have an article on it? Are you, you know, is it just because you're doing a ton of reading? Are you talking to as many women as you can? Because to your point, you, you said it, like it's one person's opinion. It's all anecdotal. You are only one person. So where are you getting all this information to be able to put together a very well-rounded interpretation of what's actually happening in the workplace for these women? Yeah. So in terms of how we're like putting the articles together, um, kind of the ideation stage comes from like me talking to people and hearing Mm -hmm. the things that like they're interested or concerned or have questions about, um, listening, like just because I curate all the content for the website, I listen to like tons of podcasts and Mm -hmm. and I'm reading a bunch of stuff. So like once in a while I'll hear something interesting and I'll be like, huh, we should do something on this. Um, and then also just like things that I've reflected on in my past and wanted to Mm -hmm. dig deeper in. And then basically I partner with freelance writers and they go out and they pull as much just like objective research. Like what does the data say? What do the experts say? What do the surveys say? And boil it down. So that's essentially the different steps that go into it. So with that whole process in mind, you know, for me, and this could just be the lens of how my brain thinks and what I've studied in school, but I think it's super interesting that you're an econ major and arguably the work that you're now doing is like part journalist, part psychology, part graphic designer, uh, how, so two part question. First is if you had to go back and maybe study things differently in college, would you have picked a different major knowing, and obviously we don't have a crystal ball, but knowing that you would wind up in the work you're in today. And second, how do you think, of course, having had a liberal arts education contributed to both your ability and confidence to go the route that you have? Because there is literally no handbook for what you're doing. You're creating it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, econ is interesting to me. It was so much about learning concepts and then Mm -hmm. taking those concepts and applying them at a, at a very large level. And so that's what I'm really good at is just like learning how things work and really understanding that. And then it's super easy for me to just like take that run with it. Yeah. Um, Important distinction with like, um, you know, econ versus even like a business major too. Like, you wouldn't have gotten that same type of lens or focus or way to be a critical thinker had you say like picked accounting, right? Yeah. Yeah, I get yeah, it's interesting. Um <laughs> econ, I think it definitely the thought process is helpful. Have I like learned any of the economics that I <laughs> like have I used any of the economics I learned? No. Um I would say if I were to go back and do different coursework, I would have taken account more accounting. I think I took one accounting class and then Me I went too. into investment banking, which was the most ridiculous decision ever um, because I was literally teaching myself accounting like while I was at As work. you were going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which I would not recommend to <laughs> anyone. Um, but I mean, in addition to econ, I, I like almost had two other majors but then I had a job lined up so I was like Meh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like didn't finish them um which I don't regret because my senior year was awesome and I got to take a lot of like cool courses that weren't in a part of the plan um but I almost also majored in religion and oh. German okay <laughs> so- I think I knew that I, I feel like I knew about the German thing because I, I do remember us talking about that before yeah. Um, 
So I think, you know, a liberal arts education really allowed me to develop skills that I didn't know I would need, um, whether that was just like communicating or language or, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff. I don't really know how else to describe it. No, <laughs> things that like, don't relate to econ. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The things that don't relate to econ, but at the same time, I really do love that analogy that you made with like this idea of like, to me, like the first thing that jumped into my mind as you went down the path of like the concept description was like macroeconomics, right? And like being able to take a step back and look at the big picture. So in taking a step back and looking at the big picture of your own career path, do you remember, like, was there a defining moment when you thought of the concept for per? Or is it something that just sort of like, you kept coming back to this like thing, but you didn't know what it was gonna look like? Because I'm sure, and, and also wondering this too, it was probably pretty abstract for a while in what it would actually function as, right? Like you had this idea that there was some sort of problem or white space or something missing, but maybe didn't know how you were gonna communicate that to people or what it was really gonna look like when you turned it into an actual business. Yeah, so I would say there was no like aha moment, which I think is the phrase a lot of people use. Mm -hmm. There's no aha moment. Yeah. I think over the course of my career, I just realized that there was very few businesses built for women beginning to mid career. Um, and there still are, unfortunately, mm -hmm. like I remember when I was at Deutsche and the skim, like that newsletter became yeah, a thing. I love I the like, skim. I don't I'm have to read the Wall it. Street Journal yeah. anymore. Their podcast is like one of my favorite things to listen to. They find the greatest people to interview. Oh yeah. I learned so much. Um, but you're hundred percent right. It's like that. And the only other company that even remotely reminds me of what you're trying to build is a group called Elevate. Are you familiar with like the Elevate networks? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Mm -hmm. And other than that, I had literally never heard of it before. So when you told me about it, I was like, this is a genius idea. <laughs> um, when you did start talking to people about it, mm -hmm. what, what, what did they say? Especially when you started telling people that you were like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to quit my job. Like, did you get any pushback like from friends, family members, coworkers, like, or they were like, or were they basically saying you super cool, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of people that like to be, like, tell the precautionary tale. Mm -hmm. Like, I think yeah. it's really hard for people to be supportive of you when you're like, all right, I'm going to, like, stop having an income and all that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that's, like, people are like, okay, like, have fun. And I think, um, you know, in terms of where I was at when I made that decision, I was in the right place because to be perfectly candid, like I had a lot of money saved. Mm -hmm. And so I knew I was okay for that a you while. had the buffer. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was going to be okay. Like it was not like, you know, if I didn't start making in two months, I was screwed. So I think that's like super important to be aware of that. I feel like there's so many like founder stories where it's like, well, they just hustled. And you're like that. I mean, like, yeah, I'm sure everyone works really hard and I'm sure people that succeed work really hard, but, um, let's be realistic about it. Like make sure you're in a good spot, like, and make sure you have some sort of idea of how you're going to, you know, be able to pay for stuff, whatever that may be. Um, just because I think like the romanticized version can be a little dangerous in mm -hmm. that sense. Um, but that's not to say to not go for it, just be aware of that. Um, and I think that was the one area where 
you know, um, my parents were, were like, okay, you're like, okay, like, I'm not worried about you. Like, you'll be fine. Um, so that made them a little bit more supportive of it. I think, um, less so than the transition. Like, I think when I made the transition, people were kind of like, all right, like, awesome. Like you're starting your own thing. Cool. Like, you know, be careful. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that the weirder part for me was actually like a little bit after that transition where you're like working on this thing that you can't really like show anything for, like before my website was up and mm-hmm. like all that. Um, I couldn't really like show anything for all of the work that I was doing. And so then like, I, especially as someone coming from banking and VC, I had ascribed like so much value, so much of my value to like my job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be in a place of like people not really understanding what you're doing or like, they're like, are you unemployed? And I'm like, no, yeah, but there's no, val- <laughs> there's no validate. You're not getting that validation anywhere. Right, and right. you like physically can't even get it either. It's, it's like exactly what I said before about how, um, you know, people don't know like the ins and outs of what's like actually going into, um, building like an online fitness business like I put a reels out just the other day with this where it was like a bunch of videos of me working out and doing like fun stuff and um like preparing for photo shoots and then the end was just like me literally typing on my computer and it was like what people think I do all day what I actually do all day right and it's not like I want the credit because like I think even in in fairness to you like I even have an advantage because I can show a resume from my clients results and post their pictures of their progress and like conversations that we have and them being able to reflect on like improvements to their mindset or like their routine or, you know, whatever it is. But you, like I said, it was this very abstract thing. And you also didn't have a ton of examples to go off of. It wasn't like you could be like, oh yeah, you know, that company like that does this, this, and this. Well, that's what I'm trying to build too, because there's nothing else out there like it. Um, so for you, when knowing all of that, like what in your mind as you were starting to build this website like did you come up with some sort of idea in your head of like okay once this is live or like once I reach this milestone like I know that I'm going to be satisfied with what I'm doing like because you said you draw so much value off of your job and I want to talk about that as well how did you define like success in this environment? Because it has to look different. It wasn't going to be like in the form of a paycheck or in the form of somebody telling you, Hey, great work on this Charlotte. Like it's literally just you being like, yep, keep going. Yeah. I mean, I think that like, I almost want to say that in past tense, like I used to ascribe so much value to my job. Like that was one of the weirdest transitions that I, I think I went to Joshua Tree with Katie Waterman mm-hmm. and I literally was like, it was like before and after, like we had like a spiritual weekend and I was like, all right, I'm cool. Like I have enough belief in what I'm doing that I don't need to like have this title or this paycheck to mm-hmm. like be fulfilled anymore. So I kind of like had a spiritual cleansing and like no, I love that. that portion of my, uh, of my hangups. But in terms of like success now and what that looks like, I would say like, honestly, I keep thinking like, I'll, you know, I'll put the website up or I'll launch the merch or I'll launch the forum. And Mm -hmm. then I'll be like, woohoo, we're good. And I honestly just like, don't ever feel like that. I know it sounds so strange, but to me, my vision is so much bigger than that. The work is never done. It's just never done. And it's just like, 
putting it out there isn't enough. Like Mm -hmm. my, what's going to make me and what does the little things actually now that make me feel really excited is when people like go on the site or, Mm -hmm. and they're like, wow, this is really great. That would have been really great for me to know. Or like, this is really great for me to know now. I'm so excited about this. Like seeing that actual impact that it's having and talking to people and having them get really excited about how this could be like a solution for their company to try Mm -hmm. and change like the culture that exists and they're being right. And to use you as like a corporate type platform, right? Like almost like let's do this training type vibe through you guys. Yeah. Or like, yeah. So part of the business um, model is going to be to partner with corporates Mm -hmm. and because basically like what exists today is, and I'm sure you experienced this as well. It's like, okay, here's some like diversity and inclusion training to like check the box, like have fun. Or like women's network events that were just really like, it was very clicky, like, right. especially at bigger companies. It's important to note that um, sometimes like one-off events can be really great, you know, to make those connections. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. when you have people that are there and you can make connections that you can like maintain, but if it, they don't do that, like one-off women's events, that's not what's changing thing. It's the right. ongoing It's like, oh, nice. Like we got together this one time. Like it's almost like yeah. It's like, let, let's do this to like check a box. Yeah, it feels like checking a box. And so, <laughs> I don't know. I, I personally don't think, and actually the research shows that that doesn't really work in terms of changing culture. Like it has to be consistent. And also there has to be consistent support, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, you're not going to get all your questions <laughs> answered by going to one women's event or, you know, by taking one diversity inclusion training, like that's mm-hmm. what currently exists. And if you're, you know, if you're a company and you're saying, I care about diversity and inclusion and we want, you know, women in senior levels, it's like, okay, we'll put your money where your mouth is. Like, why don't you yeah. put in place any programs that actually support these people and can allow them to be successful and be promoted and be paid equally and all of those things. Like let's put women in the best position possible to be able to do that. Um, you know, just hiring junior women and like crossing your fingers, that's not going to work. And it's proven that it hasn't worked. Exactly. Because it's then like, okay, you hire them and you hope that they're going to stay with the company. Well, guess what? If you're not doing things to enrich their experience outside of what they're literally doing, sitting at their desk to be able to justify why they're there and, and you know, their contributions, what are the odds that they're going to stay at that company? Right. And especially since there's so many things that go into like succeeding and Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, I think the hardest thing was I just thought, I thought work was going to be like school where I could like put my head down, work really hard. And like my work would speak for itself and I would get like paid the best and promoted ahead of time and like whatever, like road to success. And that's just not true. Like it's just not true. Obviously you need to work hard. Obviously you need to do a good job, but there are so many other factors at play that contribute to, you know, having that success story and feeling valued at a company beyond just like doing your work. And that's like something that you aren't taught really in college. Maybe Mm -hmm. nowadays they're doing more so of that, but um, a lot of times you kind of figure it out along the way and without a support system, it's hard to do that successfully. 100%. And I think you really summed up so well what I said at the way beginning of the episode about like that 
we don't have some sort of tangible course that we can take when we're we're you know even going through the interview process like we're very fortunate we from you know the backgrounds that we both have like I felt very supported by career services and trying to navigate the process of going through interviews and I I could literally like I picked up the phone and called Dean Jensen not too long ago and was like I need your help with something or I even called him to tell him like what was going on in my personal life and that is incredible that that has been our experience, but I know that's so not the norm for people. And even still, there's like that, it's like, okay, that can help you really shine in getting your foot in the door, but then that's not the same person you can necessarily talk to once you're already there and trying to navigate office politics or that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and it's so hard too, like the, I think the difference between where we're at today with office politics and you know, what existed a while ago, like a lot of those same tactics, like are not usable. And like, we use so many different technologies. It's sure. like, what's Slack etiquette? Like what's right. email etiquette? Like, I think one of um when I first joined Deutsche and I was like, all the guys are like, you know, creating these like personal connections with the managing directors, but like, they're all guys. So I feel weird, like mm -hmm. asking like a 50 year old man to go to coffee that I don't know. Like, it just feels weird to me. My dad was like, you should take them all on a ski trip. And I was like, dad, that is the most ridiculous advice. <laughs> and that definitely is not okay to do. Like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> no, and I could totally understand how you felt uncomfortable by that, especially as another female. But I also think it's important to note that and like, I'm kind of like on the spot here and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when I think of you, I also do think of you as somebody who's definitely like more of like a sporty person and like a guy's kind of girl. So like, I would think that you would be totally fine in that sort of environment. And to me, like, I'm not, I'm, I was laughing at your, your dad saying that because I'm actually not surprised that he suggested that to you. And there, but there are other women out there who like totally just like couldn't hang. Right. And I don't think that you're one of those people who can't hang by any means. Um, did you see that? Like, did you even notice that about yourself that like, maybe even though you're definitely like, there's that, that separation factor by gender. Like, did you feel like you at least had like a slight advantage just because of your personality oh. and your interests? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and I think, you know, I, initially I would say like I had no problem kind of like making this first like putting the first step out there sure. but then it got really awkward when like no, like if you're it you wasn't know, reciprocated like I'm like here mm -hmm. let's like you know create a relationship and they would be like meh <laughs> like, right you know like maybe not versus I was watching like you know the guys maybe make like half a step and then the senior would meet like, them and be like, whoa, let's like, yeah. you know, go smoke a cig or like chat <laughs> in the men's bathroom. And I was right. like, I, how am I supposed to compete with this? Like, this yeah. is ridiculous, you know? Um, but yeah, you're right. I did. I did have a bit of a leg up given my uh, personality, I would say. So, but all that's to say is that like, not everyone has that type of personality so how much harder would that be like that's exactly insane. and just because you don't have that personality doesn't mean you're not qualified for a job and also doesn't mean that it should you know diminish your ability to be successful because there is a, a role and a position for everyone and sometimes I think you touched on this not too long ago like saying that like there's a fine line of like how friendly you want to be right 
So it can also hurt you just as much as it can help you. And then, so then it's like, no matter which position you're in, it's like, which direction do I go with this? And then you just don't know what to do. Yeah. And I think like one of the things that was really weird to me was, especially at WNL, I felt like I never really felt gendered. Like, I know that sounds a strange thing to say, because we have such a big Greek system there where mm-hmm. it's like fraternities and sororities and that's like separate. But I, when I was talking to people, like I was never aware of my gender, if that makes any sense. Um, I just kind of acted how I acted mm-hmm. and that did, I was fine with that. Um, I think kind of like the odd thing was when I was um, in the professional world, like you kind of, there's like your mentors, right? Who are like very senior to you. And you're like, I hope to be like them one day, but then you kind of look around you for more examples of like what behavior is acceptable at my level, what behavior is rewarded at my level, like those kind of small cues. And I was taking those cues from some of my colleagues and getting completely different reactions from like upper management. Mm -hmm. which was like very odd to me because I never felt like I was treated that distinctly differently by like a professor at WNL. So that was kind of the weird thing where I was like, oh, I'm out in the real world where people I think are a lot more like gendered in their way of thinking than I'm used to. Yeah. I I never really thought about that because I, I totally agree with you in the sense of like in dealing with a professor and I also think it probably has a lot to do with like the major that you select too because of like who else is in your class and at the same time though it is also interesting because WNL often gets picked on for socially like the gender separation so and and like that that's more so like creates issues with like not the professional world, but like personal relationships and, and what that looks like and what that means for people in the future. So that, that is a really like very perceptive takeaway because I do think my interpretation of what you just said and the reason why I think it is that way is because it is such an academic school that if you want to be successful there, like you got to show your chops. And so, and like it, and it's not to say that there are people there who aren't like not everybody is a genius by any stretch of the imagination but the people who really I think get the most out of their experience while they're there are the people who like that doesn't matter to them like so you don't pay attention to it it's just like I know that I have this skill set I know that I want certain things out of my life and I'm going to go do what I got to do to get it right and then if you're around a bunch of people who are like that too I think that also makes you that much more motivated However, at the same time, and this is another question I wanted to make sure I addressed in this conversation, it also creates a lot of pressure that we have to do certain things, that we should go into certain industries, um, that we're quote unquote a failure if we're not the person who's making at least X amount of dollars right out of college, whereas other people may have a totally different idea of like what that initial success looks like. So how did you see that manifest? Like whether it was among your friends from college or even friends from high school, um, maybe put it into the context of like making the transition of going this route that is perceived to be a little bit riskier. Like what did that look like in your own life? Like have you had, for as much as you've reflected about all these different experiences that you've had, have you reflected about the potentially harmful idea that like we are in 
a very high stakes game of like when you graduate you should be going doing these three things and if you don't achieve them then like you're not on the right path yeah I mean I think like my biggest takeaway from like the path that I took is like I actually I don't regret it at all like I learned so much at Deutsche and at Fifth Wall like both fantastic experiences um what I have to say was I needed, I think, to enter it with a little bit of a different mindset. Like I went, I think I went into it with a mindset of like, I am here to do whatever necessary to like win, like success, mm-hmm. success, success. And with not really like understanding what like winning meant. And so I came in with like a very like people pleasing, like whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do it. Like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Like, let's go. Um, I don't need to sleep. It's fine. Um, and while that gave me like a really steep learning curve, I think it was at a certain point, it always became detrimental because it was more what people needed from me and what I, than what I needed out of the experience. Mm -hmm. And what I would urge people to do is that it's, I don't think it's necessarily bad at all to go into those experiences. I think there's so much to learn, but to potentially enter them with the mindset of I'm going to get everything that I can out of this job. What can this job do for me? Not what can I do for this job? That is like such a good, just career nugget for anybody listening to this. And in that same vein, how much do you think that that mentality that you went into it with was from being a female? I mean, tell me about, I know there's research out there about like women generally being people pleasers. Like, tell me more about that to- that topic. We could have a whole podcast just talking about that, but I'm curious how much that's come up in the articles your team is writing and the research that you're doing and the people that you're talking to. Um, a lot. So I think that women, I mean, the research shows that women generally are more on the on the side of people pleasers I think that it's hard to pinpoint like why that happens I think a lot of it's just like conditioned as like a societal Mm -hmm. norm to be perfectly honest um I think you know what I really started to notice was that sometimes that mindset isn't totally detrimental in a way it's like no it's not helpful like being helpful to people is great um but I do think that we're almost like shamed into doing things sometimes that aren't helpful to us at all, which is why I just talked about like flipping on your head, like what can mm-hmm. this job do for me? Because I think we did an article recently that was about like, why am I so tired all the time at work? And one of the reasons was because as a female, you're more likely to be asked to do kind of like housekeeping items. So on top of like every other like work thing that you're doing, that's actually pertains to your job. You're like, whatever, like helping to stock the fridge or like getting together a card. And like a lot of times your male employees will never, one, never be asked to do that. Um, and by the way, female managers are just as likely, I think, to ask female, like younger female employees to do this type of stuff. So yeah. Like we things. all are bringing the bias, like what you right. said, that it's a society, a condition from society. It's a condition societal thing yeah. that like, I think a lot of people are just unconscious of. Um, and, but also like guys are more likely to say no, just like straight mm-hmm. up no. And I think women, a lot of times, uh, like I was saying, are kind of like guilted into it. Like, oh, I feel guilty if I like don't do this because they asked me to do it. And I want to be helpful. But I think what we need to think about is every time you say yes, you're saying no to something else. And every time you say no, you're saying yes to something else. 
So you can kind of like get it out of your head. If you're saying no, you're just saying no, really, you're just saying yes to doing something else that is actually better for you and your career as well. Not just better for this person that doesn't feel like getting the birthday card together themselves. <laughs> right. And I think learning that that can be all encompassed by the idea of learning to set boundaries and that isn't something that we're taught either. And I found myself in really similar situations to you. And with that whole idea of like saying yes to so many things, and it got to a point where I convinced myself, like it, it came up more for me already in the um, more, I wouldn't say it was like true entrepreneurship because I did have bosses and, but I was helping operate a boutique concept and it was a franchise. So it was a startup world for them. And in my head, I went into it with this mentality that was wound up being really detrimental to my mental health, that because a bulk of my salary was coming from commission, that the more I said yes to things, the more control I had over those tasks being done the way I wanted to, which would ultimately contribute to the business, which would then ultimately contribute to the amount of money that I was making. So it became like this fear of delegating because I felt like I could do something better or more effectively with an attitude, a mindset, an approach that could make the business grow quicker or in a, in a more efficient way. And then it made me like have, be the one that had all the responsibilities. And then it got to a point where I was just like going to implode. And I think the other people didn't want to help because right. they expected me to take care of it. And it just made me like experience like severe burnout, like really bad, really, really bad. Yeah, I feel that for sure. And I think that that's another side of it. Like it's, you even have to learn how to say no to stuff that is your job mm -hmm. kind of, because at a certain point, if you're doing too much, like I remember there was literally a point in time where my manager was like, you're doing so many projects. Like just don't say yes to all the projects that come your way. Mm -hmm. Like literally gave me that advice. And then they would still ask me to do projects. And I literally had to be like, you told me to say no. And that was like the only reason I could actually say no. I was like, you yeah. literally gave me the advice to say no. So I'm saying no. Aha. <laughs> and then what did they say to you? Were they like, oh, like, shit, oh, I, I guess didn't you're right. tell you that. Yeah. That's also like a great piece of advice. Like always write down what people tell you because you can always, like they'll always be more receptive to their own words than someone else's. That's really good advice. And that's, I think that's something that probably people neglect. Like, oh my God. When I, uh, when I would first start jobs, I always write down everything people say to me and keep them on sticky notes. People thought I was insane, but I would have like, like literally piece of advice from all of like my boss and coworkers, like on sticky notes, like all over my cube. And it was actually awesome. So that's, I would definitely do that. Yeah. I love that. And I think, you know, think about information we consume on a daily basis. Like you were saying earlier about how you do your research. I was like picturing you like sitting with your headphones in, listening to a podcast and then typing away and like trying to multitask and keep it all organized. Like the more I podcast personally, I learn so many new things. I am so happy that all of this is recorded because I go back and listen to my own show like three times between editing it and everything. And I get like something new from it every single time I listen to it. And that's, that's where I think the satisfaction can come in with this type of work because you're like, oh wow, like I learned all this new stuff today and I didn't even like 
interact with anyone in my outside of my own home, right? Like you're like, wow, the technology is pretty great in that regard. So I want to move into our lightning round. But before we get there, I do want to ask you one final question. And that is where you see per going. So we talked about the forum. We know that it's going to be accessible to people very soon. And like I said, we'll make sure we have links for anybody to access it so they can get joined up. But tell me a little bit more about the structure of what you'll be offering. You mentioned the corporate training and partnership such as that will this eventually evolve into a membership base where like somebody's paying like 10 bucks a month as a subscription to be a part of the forum and inside the platform will you host panel events um hopefully when we can go back to doing things in person i can envision you trying to host some like big conference or something like that so tell me more about like your big ideas for what per could be in the next five six years I totally love that you asked that question. You'd be surprised like so many people don't ask about that. And that's like my favorite thing to do is to think about mm-hmm. like, what can this be one day? Um, so really like the the large vision for everything is essentially to create an entire like work-life ecosystem for this person. And so like right now it's like content and connection, but I think there's opportunity to do like, you know, work wife matching, like, I don't know, or like peer to peer matching or like mentorship matching or like recruitment and like career postings or, um, you know, a marketplace for resources. We can even do some of our own product and marketplaces for other products, like anything that you can think of that touches your work life. Like, you know, I work. 80 hours a week and I have no idea how to stay like fit and healthy. Like, you know, having suggestions for people that can help you do that. Basically like our lives are so consumed by work and yet there's so little that's about like your work life. So just having this holistic place focused on this person and this entire ecosystem built for them. That's like my dream. I love that. And I think that's a really amazing part about it. We talked about this idea that all of these issues touch so many different industries and roles, but I think that really kind of solidifies the concept that we still need to be connected to each other, even if we're not in the same industries. So what advice do you have for people who just, for whatever reason, feel limited in some capacity to take that leap, to go do what it is that they want to do. Because as you said, Charlotte, like so much of our lives are consumed by work. And I think you and I have gotten to places in our maturity and outlook that we're just like, well, yeah, no shit. So why are we going to do something that we don't like absolutely love and are obsessed with? Like, I truly am obsessed with what I do. Like people have to tell me to stop talking about it. And I just want other people to feel that way. So what advice do you have for somebody who just is demonstrating that type of limit on their beliefs. Yeah. I mean, I, I always advise people when they're like, you know, like, do you have advice on a career? Like what's the best like path forward? And it's like, where do you want to get to? And then kind of like work backwards because, you know, the realistic thing is like, not everyone's going to be always doing exactly what they want to do at all points in time. But if you can like frame it up in a larger purpose, then it becomes a lot more meaningful. Um, so for example, like, was it my ideal thing to work 90 hour weeks for three years? No, but there's a purpose to doing that. And that made it meaningful for me. Um, and so I think like thinking about it in that context of being like, 
you know, I, for example, I'll just like get super vulnerable here and tell you like what my few, like my dreams are. My dream is to have my own venture capital firm where I invest in early stage founders that are making societal change. Right. But like, I don't have money to do that. Like, I don't have money to just like invest in tons of different people. Um, and I realized that the underlying thing that I care most about is like making an impact. I've always had this idea. So I was like, why don't I go try and start this company where I can feel fulfilled on a personal level because I'm making an impact, but hopefully if things work out, I can sell it for a ton of money and then I can do my total dream, which is having my own venture capital firm, right? So it's like framing everything in that way, I think can be super grounding and helpful. Totally. And I think that that's the type of advice that people do need to get from a career services standpoint earlier. Because I think for me, I wish I had gotten that advice because I would have done things differently. If I, I mean, I've been in doing something fitness related since I was 18. Like I, I taught all the group X classes in Dreamus. Like it was always a part of who I was. And I think if I had had that advice from somebody to be like, go find a company like a soul cycle or somebody like that and try to be a copywriter for them or try to do communications for them, my career would look so different. And I'm, I'm still very appreciative of what happened, but I think if people can really like take the time to think about what lights them up, what they're good at, and then think about the dream job, we could redefine the different ways of getting there. So even in your example, Think about all of the people that you can meet through the work that you're doing who are at the executive level who would probably ultimately love to support you as the founder of a VC firm, right? Like it all right. kind of weaves back together. Well, and it's like important to note too, like I don't have the skill set to do early stage investing until I like really know early stage operations mm -hmm. and what better way to do that than sure. to start your own company. Totally. So it's like, not only obviously the monetary thing, but the skill set thing is really important. It's like you're building on skills and building on skills. I mean, it's also okay to not know like five steps ahead, mm -hmm. but to know like one or two steps ahead. So it's like, you know, I think some people too get a little frozen when they're like, well, I don't know what, you know, my dream job is or their dream job might actually like, they'll get closer to it and be like, Ooh, I don't really like doing that. Yeah. And then they're like, you Oh know? shit. Well, what am I going to do now? And then they don't right. want to go. They, they like, don't want to admit that it's not their dream anymore. And that's super right. dangerous too. Yeah. yeah. No. So I don't, I feel like it's also like, don't feel pressure to like have it all figured mm -hmm. out. Like yeah. just practice kind of self-awareness as you're on the journey and be like, I really like this. I'm interested in this, this not so much. That's okay. Yeah. Great. Really great advice. And I think the perfect place for us to wrap it up on. I'm so appreciative of your time and just really excited to see all the different things that you do for what it's worth. I think all of these topics would make for a great podcast. So if you, know, you want to find <laughs> yeah. another medium to jump on, but we'll fully warn you that it, that in and of itself, like this right here is very much a full-time job, a fun one, but a lot of work. So you ready for the lightning round? Sure. Okay. Quick answer questions. Um, like I said, before we recorded, I kind of want to like make it fun and maybe like related to dummy and all things just for the nostalgia purposes. So I'll throw a few in there that I related to that. Sure. First one, let's see. What is your favorite book that you've read or maybe listened to? I don't know if you're an audible girl in the past six months to a year. Oh my God. Yes. One love listening to stuff first. It's actually reading. Um, so I listened to Principles by Ray Dalio 
which like totally rocked my world. I thought that was so cool. Also, Untamed by Glennon Doyle. That yeah, one great was book. really Did you read example. Love Warrior? If you didn't, you should. Yeah, oh, I you should. I actually liked it better. So I would recommend that one. It's like the precursor to Untamed. And you don't really need to read them in order by any means. But for me, and I don't know, I think it was just like where I was at in my life. Like I could just like get right into Love Warrior and like couldn't put it down. It's a very good book. What's your favorite podcast? Do you have a go-to that you listen to like every day? I don't. I listen to so many different ones. I'll say the fix for the purpose of this. <laughs> Aw, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, as a fellow founder type person, I highly recommend listening to any, literally any episode from How I Built This. If you don't, like I those. Love yeah, I love that. Right? I Right? I know. It's like awesome. a, I will binge How I Built This and those episodes are long, but yeah. I, I really like respect how much, um, I actually listened to Guy Raz's like episode on how he built how I built this and that was fascinating because yeah. he talks about why he put so much time into all of the episodes and like the research behind it it's it's really cool stuff so if you haven't yeah. checked that one out I'll send it to you okay. actually I'll throw out one that I do listen yeah. to a lot which is HBR idea cast which oh I haven't checked that well one out okay yeah it's Harvard Business Review mm -hmm. and they do just like super almost like academic topics but there's always so much like good data and stats and learnings from them so I love that nice that's awesome and I think it's good to just like get that in a different medium like hearing it sometimes can have a different impact on your takeaways from it too let's go for more of the fun stuff um what do you like to binge on Netflix <laughs> oh my god so this isn't on Netflix but this is definitely my go-to top chef I'm obsessed oh, with nice. it it is like good creative. Like I can kind of be doing emails while I watch it. Uh -huh. And I love the competition aspect. It gets me like really fired up. <laughs> I, I would have not, I was not going to guess that you said that. So I'm glad I threw that into the lightning round. Um, what's your go-to workout routine? Great question. I always throw a bit of a run in there, like to get my cardio up. Sometimes I do just a longer run and that's it. And then other times I'll do a shorter run and then I do like a Kayla it signs workout, like yeah. all body weight stuff after. Nice. What is the number one restaurant or like place to go that you always loved in Lexington and like your favorite food there? Since there's not a million choices, we got to like be specific. Uh, well, blue sky. Of yeah. Course. What was your go-to meal there? What sandwich? I would always get, I think it was the Southwestern salad. Oh, was that my one's favorite. so good. Yeah, so that's good. a really good one. I would love that right now. I'm like hungry. I shouldn't have asked you that question. Um, <laughs> what is something that you wish you learned in college? Like if there was a class you could have designed at WNL, like what would it have been? And maybe if you had a favorite professor, who could you have envisioned teaching it? Oh my God. I wish there was a class on this is so random, but like how to organize your life. Like, I feel like I always am on top of work stuff. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to get arrested because I did my taxes the wrong way. Like taxes. Yep. Or like, I forgot when I first started doing all this, all of my, you know, this platform and this on social media, like I would forget to pay my car payment, like shit like that. Like it just like the personal stuff falls off your to-do list. Right. And then you're like, I want to, you know, like, I don't know. TikTok has been interesting for me. I've been exploring it. 
but I saw a video yesterday that was like how to minimize your interest payments on a house. And I just thought it was so interesting. Like, I wish there was a class that was like, here's all the tricks to like save money and like not get arrested Mm -hmm. in real life. (laughs) No, it's so true. Well, last question, final one. What is your shameless plug and where can we find you to connect with you, whether that's personally or specifically for Purr? Yeah, so shameless plug is that we're trying to change the workforce for good. So be a part of the movement, you know, help you help yourself, um, love each other, support each other. All of that I think is amazing and can only result in a positive outcome. So you can go to www.perlaworkedit.com. Um, there's a forum, uh, at the top that you can click on to join that. We are launching that on international women's day, which is March 8th. Um, perfect timing. I love that. Yeah, so excited. Um, the content piece is on there. I talked about, feel free to shoot me an email. My email is charlotte at perthewerkedit.com. I want to keep open lines of communication. We're also on Instagram and LinkedIn and all that good stuff. Well, Charlotte, thank you so much for coming on The Fix. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I just can't wait to see all of the amazing places that you take per and my own head is just swirling with ideas for like all these fitness things I want to suggest to you. (laughs) So I'm very excited and um, wish you the best of luck. And I know that there are so many fix listeners out there who could benefit from this. So if you have listened to today's episode, please go ahead and interact with per on social media. Definitely go ahead and check out their website. Even if you spend like five minutes on there, I promise you are going to find one article that will teach you something today so make that a part of your routine just as much as you make a part of your routine fitness and taking care of yourself um you know growing your mind and challenging your mind is important too and if you think there's anybody else that could benefit from this message be sure to share it that's the way that we get all of these great people who are so kind to give us their time on the podcast um to help them elevate their platform and connect with others and really do good things for the world and like charlotte said have an impact and make a change so you can do that for this show by leaving it a review, commenting on any of my social media posts about it and letting us know what you want to hear about. I'm always looking for new guests and I'm lucky that I have people like Charlotte who are in my life and in my circle and being like, hey, I'm working on this cool thing. So it's pretty amazing how we can continue to stay connected even coast to coast. So Charlotte, thank you again. So appreciate you. And for everyone out there, this has been another episode of The Fix. Hope you guys enjoy and have a wonderful rest of your day from wherever you're listening.